Hello, and welcome to Dope Conversations Podcast. I am your host, Bikita Pegram, and I am going to give you something to think about. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back for another week of Dope Conversations. And you know it's the end of the month, so you know what that means. I have a guest. And I have a guest that I met through um, myself getting mentored. And he is truly a dope person. I know I say that about all my guests, but I don't have people that's that dope on the show. So, yes, he's dope. And he is Dr. Travis T. Smith. He's a professor at the University of Florida, but guess what, y'all? He's an HBCU grad. Yes, even though Jackson State and PV run through my blood, we're going to give a shout out to Alabama State. (laughs) So welcome, Dr. Travis Smith. Welcome to the show. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, we have him on today to talk about what it is like being in white spaces and being black and how to keep that authentic self about you in any type of space that you're in. So thank you for coming. Thank you for having me again. So one of the things that I would like to start off with is what are the impacts and consequences of not being black in white spaces? Oh, that's a good question. Not being uh, black in white spaces. And so I guess when you're when you're asking this question, are you asking like me as a black person and not acting black or like, can you unpack that a little bit? for Exactly. So we're in a white space, but you're not being who you are. What what are the pros and cons of that? What happens with that? I'm a selfishly say I don't know if there are any pros um, to you not being yourself. And here's an analogy that I like to use with that particular approach. Uh, there's a holiday that we celebrate, right? It's called mm-hmm. Halloween. <laughs> yeah. um, and we all put on costumes and masks and you can parade around how, you know, in, in another character's body, right? Or another character's image for, for a day, right? right. Halloween parties, uh, they're really fun, actually. How would you feel if you had to live a life of that? To where every day you had to wake up, put on a mask, put on a suit, and then go perform to be that individual. And the only time you had, you could be you is when you got home. And so you were expected at, you, was, you were expected to perform like as that person and, and be productive. Now, at what point psychologically will you become that person? Exactly. We've talked uh, about and, that this month um, with code switching, the dangers of code switching for too long. Yeah. So I, 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 I heard this from one of my mentors and I think, it, you know, I take it with a grain of salt. Um, she talks about code switching as a linguistic um, talent, right? That it is something that black people can do um, that they are gifted to do. I hear that. And I think it, it can be dangerous. Right. Right. Uh, because I think about it as, OK, to what extent are you code switching? Uh, and are you code switching to where? they think this is who you are and it's not who you are. Exactly. And so I'm more of the proponent of, can I show up and be authentically me, right? With respect to the, I don't want to say like the culture or, but respect to the office space. Right. And so like, let's say if I'm working in a, a shared space, 
I, you know, I like playing music loud, but that's an adjustment I can make out of respect for other folks, right? And so, uh, again, authentically me, bumping music as loud as I can is who I am, but out of respect for others, I wouldn't do that. And so, okay, those things I can accept. Yes. But the other things as if you're going to completely conform and change who you are to appease other people, I don't know. Because I think, you know, in, in the words of Kanye, you might still be a, in, a, right. in a coupe, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. at the end of the day, you're still black. Um, and so, I, but I do, I, when I, you know, when I'm talking to students, I do tell students, these are the pros and cons. Like, cons might be, people might be afraid of you. People might not take you serious. Uh, but you have to be comfortable and we all have to, re- there is a spectrum. There's no turn on the switch and turn off the switch. I think it's a spectrum of what you choose to do. And I've not always been this authentically black. Like, mm-hmm. don't let me sit here and fool you. And I'm not going to lie to you either. There's been stages to where I've grown right. comfortable with myself and comfortable with my identity. Right. And comfortable with my straight hair go- going yeah. towards the sun. Right. And comfortable. like and, so, and, and do these thoughts still come through my mind of, okay, what am I going to put on today? And what are people going to say? Yeah, but I have to have that conversation internally with myself. You know what? F it. I'm, I'm just going to do it. Exactly. Uh, and, and, and you get the looks, right? Um, but again, at the end of the day, I'm thankful for the most part, and I say this for the most part, that I'm in a space as a faculty member where I can, I'm basically being judged off of productivity for the most part. Good. And so it, it, as long as my production is high and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, I can walk around here how I see fit. Uh, but again, I don't, I don't, I just, some people might say, eh, that's just some, another way for people to judge me and I choose not to do it. And if you're okay with it, I th- you know, to each his own, you got to sleep at night. But for me, I can't sleep at night knowing I didn't show up authentically to me. Um, and last on this question, one of our mentors, Dr. Uh, uh, Mr. Larry Thorne, he wrote the book, Why Not Win? Mm-hmm. And he talks about going from, um, so he was one of the students that integrated Montgomery Public School System in Alabama. Okay. Um, and then he went from painting in the shop of Coca-Cola to being on the board. Wow. And so he talks about the importance of showing up authentically black because, you know, when we talk about this word diversity, like the buzzword diversity, is it diversity if you show up and you try to conform to the, the culture that's already there? Right. Is that right. true diverse thought? Right. And he's like, it doesn't, it's not beneficial if you don't show up who you are, because that's what some people are truly seeking. Right. They don't want you to show up and just be a go along to get along. And so he's really, a strong advocate for us, you know, um, showing up how we, how we see fit and how we choose. And so I'm, you know, I'm definitely way younger than Mr. Thorne, mm-hmm. but I, I, I might think I'm more of a radical too, right? I show up with tattoos and earrings and a nose ring. And, right. You know, I don't think those things should, should matter. Uh, and so I don't know. Yeah. That's just my no, long winded answer. I totally agree because a couple of things that you said, I think it's important for the audience to know one, one, you don't have to start that way. And if you're not there, it's okay to get there. Because I feel the same way as you. There's a lot of ways I am still getting there. I'm choosing what I'm going to present as my blackness, as my true self. And I too bump my music. I just wait till I get to the corner to bump it. <laughs> Instead of driving no, that's real. like that. But it's me. And so that brings me to my next question. Why is it important for our culture to go with us in these white spaces? Because you touched on it a little bit on why it's important. But could you elaborate on that point, please? Yeah, I need Mama Nell with me. You know, that's, that's my slang. I need, I need the ancestors with me. Uh, to, first of all, it's homage to them. 
I mean, thinking, thinking about all of the ancestors before me, currently at the University of Florida, we're only one, basically one generation removed from folks that couldn't get into that remember not being able to go to the institution. Like those people are still alive. And so I need all them folks with me. Like, and so I want to show up. I choose to show up in this space in honor of them. Like for hundreds of years, y'all, y'all were missing out. It wasn't their loss. Now right. oppression. Yeah. But again, y'all was, miss, y'all were missing out on the talent. And so I think number one, it's important. And then two culture is who you are. It's a big piece of you. Um, and, and outside of the toxic pieces of the black community, there are some really good family values, um, culture values that we we really uh, practice. And I think we kind of brought them over here, maybe genetically. I ain't getting into the science of it, but we pass it down, I believe. Right. Uh, but it's, it's really it sustains us. Like like, for an example, if, even if you do like a historical perspective, mm-hmm. And, and going back to ancient Egypt, culture and community was was always practiced. Individual yeah. individualization was not practiced. That that was new to us when we came over here. And so if you look at all of the readings, um, if you look at all of the artwork, you always saw people in culture, people in community. Yeah. And so community to me is always big and I got to have it in a workspace. And I'm always looking for the black folks, you know, especially when I'm in a white space, because I need those black folks that I can easily turn to like. Yeah, did you just hear this shit? Like I could private message on Zoom, like, yo, you checking this out? Or I right. could shoot a text message. You know, but that just helps us stay sane. Yeah. Right. That support to make sure that the the academy isn't trying to convince you that you're crazy. Right. Um, but it's beautiful too. Like black culture is beautiful. And I think people deserve to see it in its full estate. Now, right. as black people, we choose, we have a choice. It's our choice to decide what part of us do you get. Right. And, and that's the beauty of it because I can show up how I want. Yeah. I can show up with my hair twisted today and throw it out tomorrow. Um, and, and some people can't, they, you know, they can't do that. And so I think of, you know, really showing people that number one, it's not my job to prove to you that I ain't a threat. Right. Right. But I show up and I, and you see me in tattoos and earrings and, and hopefully you can say like, Hmm, Black people aren't a threat, right? And, and maybe you can start having those conversations with yourself. But I think that's why I choose to show up because I want people coming behind me not to have the same struggles pe- struggles people in front of me had. And so I honor the people in front of me, especially those faculty members that have been writing on critical research um, and, and doing this work before me. And so they've made it easier for me. And so now I want people coming behind me to e- to have it easier. I want to leave the academy better than what, uh, what my ancestors had and what I received it as. And so I just... I just choose to, you know, not to be, I don't want to call it like a trailblazer sound cocky, <laughs> but I'm trying to, you know, forge a path so people can easily follow and then they can venture off wherever they see fit. Yeah. And I don't think that's cocky because in a sense, we all have to become trailblazers because it needs to happen in each workspace, not just in certain types of workspace. We all have to learn to be okay with taking our blackness in every workspace and whatever you're comfortable with that looks like. Whether it be as a woman wearing your braids or wearing your fro, you don't always have to wear extensions or straighten your hair to belong because you can't expect to be accepted until you present who you are. Yeah, and, and at the end of the day, if people accept you or not, that's not your problem. Like, it's not a decision. You, can, you can't make somebody accept you. 
And so if you if I already walk into the situation with a 50 50, you might accept me, you might not. At right. least I'm gonna be comfortable. Right. If you don't accept me. You know? And so I think that again, you know, back to the hair thing, I think that's one of the most ridiculous things ever because I haven't seen a, a wig or a straight hair sign to check type of paper do anything <laughs> right and so like this idea that you have to have your hair this type of way you have to look this type is really ridiculous it is uh and so i i really uh, uh go against any type of those particular types of systems that require that i'm all about can you do the work right. can you add to the vision uh and, and if you want to show up however you see fit i don't care i just want to know can we take this this institution or whatever project we're working on to the next level. Right. Exactly. I totally agree. So where did you get that confidence to be unapologetically black, to be you, to know that, Hey, I don't have to be accepted, but I'm going to be me. I, okay. Okay. So growing up in Alabama, I grew up in a racially segregated town. I tell the story all the time. Uh, I learned that I was black at an early age. But it wasn't the you're black, like, is beautiful. It was you're not white type of, you know, behavior. You know, and I learned it from the church. Like, church was segregated. We only went to the white Methodist. You only went to the white church when there was, like, a big event, and they invite you over or something like that. And there were two Methodist churches less than a mile. Uh, and then also working, my first job was uh, outside of, like, cutting grass with my dad. My first job was Piggly Wiggly. And the white people used to put the black folks, our money on the counter, uh, and then mind you, this is two. This is two thousand and five. So this ain't this ain't centuries ago. This two thousand and five. Wow. And so they were. You know, there'd be a white cashier, the same person, and they would put her money in her hand or his money in his hand. But all the black kids, they would put our money on the counter. And I realized I wasn't. You know, I knew. Yeah, right, because that's that a real white. thing in the South. People but, may think that's like you said. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah, and so you know that was like racism slapping me in the face like whoa this is mm-hmm. uh, this is real and so that at that point it, the, I guess my conscience was like yeah this I can't damn, I can't have this um, and so one day I grew to uh, I just got confident the confidence to say no nah. like I looked I stared they put them right on the counter they looked at me I looked at them they looked at me I looked <laughs> yeah, at them yeah I had to stare I, off <laughs> I, I looked at the money um uh, and they looked at the money and I was like, <laughs> I'm not picking it up, you know, and my manager came and picked it up, but that was like, Oh, that felt good. <laughs> you know, like I've, I've created a monster, but it was this idea of me as a black man saying, I don't have to put up with that. Right. And, and I was making five fifteen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not that money mattered, but it's like, first of all, you know, black folks, I, I'm going to tell you, I don't make enough. Right. Over this. You know, so it, yeah, it, it started there. Right. And that trickled over to, okay, it is about the 10th grade. I'm 15. What other thing? What's wrong with the high school? <laughs> right. One of my, my mentor was, is the principal. Now she would joke, but I always find something wrong and something to advocate for. Um, uh, and so I started becoming comfortable with me. Like I was, I was so caught up in like social, in a, in an economic sense, the friends I hung out with economically, I really wasn't on the same level as them, but we, you know, we were kind of popular. I was popular probably because I was smart, uh, but I was doing too much to try to fit in. And I wish hindsight 2020, I would go back and just be myself, but I started being myself. Like I went through like a locked 
which I love, skateboarder type of thing. And I, you know, it just felt good to be me. It felt good to have my locks. It felt good to rock my skateboarder gear. And then when I got to Alabama State, Lord, they created a, (laughs) like, they just, they took this boy, like I was a boy. And I, it's like, you're a boy and you're on a journey and you know something is out there. You just don't know what it is. And Alabama State said, we have what you're looking for. (laughs) And and they just took me under their wing and all of the folks just started pouring. And I just saw like black excellence on a spectrum. I saw black excellence playing Pokemon, playing chess, debating, you know, both these brothers in bow ties every day and suits. Right. I saw black excellence from, the hoodest of the hood guys smoking blacker miles while still being like, Hey bro, I got to go to class. I'll catch y'all in a minute. Like, right. And I just, it just, it blew my mind. Like I was in Wakanda for real. <laughs> uh, ex- except for customer service. I was in Wakanda <laughs> except for customer service. And so, <laughs> you know, being around that really just boosted my confidence. Like I can do this. Like, and I think it really just, it, HBCUs are, are true incubators. They are Wakanda's. Preparing people to go into yes. like the Americas. I and totally do good agree. Work. I totally agree um, because I grew up in mostly white educational spaces. I was a military brat. I was in white strict educational spaces. So I was determined to go to a, a black college. I got accepted to USM. My mom took me to the campus for a visit. And I said, oh, this is not it. This is not what I'm, I need. Went to Jackson State. There was a barbecue pit going. A DJ was on one side. And the little cars doing the, the loop, doing a showcase. And I said, yep, this is it right here. <laughs> and I was so educated about my own blackness and able mm-hmm. to know that my blackness was okay no matter how I presented it. Like you said, true incubation. I came out even blacker <laughs> than I, when I went in. 100%. It, it, it reminds me of, like, I was in Dr. White's class, and I got to give this brother a shout-out. Literature 209, I'll never forget. L-I-T, that's the class code, 209. That's how important this class was to me. And it was the first class, the first time in my life that I heard somebody refer to black people not being slaves. Mm. And all my life, I grew up thinking of the civil rights, you know, we were slaves. And that was the beginning of history for me. And when this man started talking about before we became slaves, mm. before we were enslaved, it just blew my mind. Like, whoa, you know, like this black excellence. Like, if if you don't know any better, you would go through K twelve believing that slavery was the best thing to happen to black folks. Yeah, like they came over here, we were just they saved know, us, barbaric. They <laughs> saved us. They colonized us. They gave mm-hmm. education. It been existed. Commerce and trade been exist. Like. And so to to learn that and to learn, like, blackness is not just the civil rights movement. Blackness is not slavery. Like, blackness is beautiful and it spans across humanity, right? And we touch every aspect of humanity. That was just, that was mind-blowing for me. And so that's when my confidence and me starting to say, you know what, like, my black is beautiful. My black boy joy, you know, does matter uh, and I want this for everybody else. Yeah. Like I felt at that particular moment, like being at Alabama State, I felt liberated. Yeah. Right. I felt like I was I was being able to walk in fit. Now, walk in freedom. Are, are there some still some anti-blackness that we got to discuss with some HBCUs? Uh, and, and, and yeah, and I don't think it's intentional uh, from an intent to harm, but I think it's an intent to protect. 
Right. You know, like if you look at the business schools and they try to force you to, you know, dress biz and stuff. Yeah. Okay. I get it. But we also got to have a conversation of professionalism is systemic racism. Yeah. Right. Is a form of systemic racism. But that's a whole nother conversation for another day. I right? choose to celebrate blackness <laughs> uh, today. No. Yeah. And I, I think we have to understand our blackness does not have to be a movement that you're not trying to wear the whole social justice movement on racial social social justice movement on your back just because you wore your hair. You, you It's okay just to be black and it doesn't have to be some statement against the man. It doesn't have to be this big statement against systemic racism, but it's okay just to be you. No, that's, that's real because showing up black is an act of protest within itself. That that's 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 rebellious within because everything that we've learned from a society, everything that mm-hmm. that uh, society try to tell try to tell us is anti-black. Like, yeah, oh, you can't wear your hair like this. You can't do this. You have to speak correct grammar. Right. Okay, so we're we're really one of the only right cultures that are always policed with our grammar. Yep. Right. And so just thinking about like the linguistic piece of it, and so just showing up black is an act of rebellious yeah. within itself. Like, you ain't got to be rah-rah, you know, all, you know, and all loud and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to do that, that's, that's totally fine. But you just showing up, you is, is going to rock the boat because people right. are not used to that. And the academy specifically isn't designed for us to do that. And I think that in itself is what scares some black people from just being themselves because they're not confused. They're not confrontational and they think, oh, if I go to work with my Afro today, I might have to talk to HR They, you know, we, we go to extreme with it and it's like, it shouldn't be that way. But I think in order to stop it from being that way, you have to keep doing it. You got to make it the norm. And right now it's not the norm for black people to be black. No, it's not. And, but it's, you know, for me, it's my normal. And I, that's why I do it because I want students and I, I want students to be able to say, this is, this is, this can be normal. Like Dr. T, I get this all the time. Like I had, we, we, we did a reflections with our research group, uh, Friday, mm-hmm. we did reflections with our research group Friday, a couple of days ago. And one of the students, she was reflecting and she said, Dr. T, I just did not realize that it was possible to show up black, how you show up. And mm. she was re- referring to a presentation of, um, uh, scholarly talk that I gave on qualitative research and participatory action research. And she was like, everything about your presentation was black because we, it was, it was talking about photo voice and we intentionally myself and the designer of the presentation included nothing but black photography. Mm. and images. Okay. And it was just all throughout the presentation. And she was like, you're showing me that this life is possible. And that's what I want because the more we show people, that this life is possible, the more people can say, okay, it can be the normal. It's, it's, it kinda, it's kinda like what I tell my high school students. It's hard for you to be who you can't see. Hmm. It's possible, but it's hard. And so I tell, you know, and we've talked about this, especially with goals. If you have a goal of becoming something, you need to attach yourself to somebody that's already there so you can see it, so they can normalize it. And so for me with, with, this this lifestyle of just blackness, I do it mainly so that students can look at me and say, being black is cool. Like, I don't have to feel less than because I'm black, or I don't have to uh, feel inadequate 
because I'm acting black. Like yeah. I want, I I want to live in a world where we can repurpose the word ghetto. Yeah. Right. Because really, ghetto is cold word for black, black in a derogatory term. Right. And I've I've heard people say that, but I want us to, you know, just how we, uh, uh, we really repurpose the word nigga mm-hmm. without the er. Yeah. I I, w- I want to live in a society where where that's accepted, but right. I want it to be normal. Right. Uh, and so that's why I do it because I, I want students to see like you can have a PhD. And you can teach at what they consider an R1 institution. Mm-hmm. And you can still be dope as hell. Like, you can wear your Jordans to class and teach. You can, you know, rock your fro. You can right. have a nose piercing. You can, you know, have a sleeve. And you still show up and be a hell of a lecturer, a hell of an educator, and just be dope. And so that's my goal. Thank you. And that is a perfect transition into On My Block. You know, this is my favorite part of the segment where we actually get to share some tidbits and let's call them life hacks on how to adjust and how to make our block safer. Because I believe that each block, if we take care of it, that will span and become contagious. So on our block being able to be black in white spaces is important. And that's just really being you being comfortable with being black. So my first tip is just take baby steps. You ain't got to go the cheeky Afro, Afro pig with your white hand up in the air. If that's not you take time to know what you're comfortable with and walk in that demand. Respect is the second, just like Dr. T has mentioned, um, about picking up the money off the counter. Those things that you know that are microaggressions, address it. Again, which you comfortable with. So demand respect. But number three, your comfort zone, immerse yourself in blackness. It's okay. HBCUs, everybody didn't have that that blessing to go to an HBCU. They may not have thought that it was a place for them, but you got to get in a place where being black is normalized, where it'd be a church setting, a community setting, you hosting an event where people can just come and just let down their hair and be themselves. Because yes, being black in itself is a protest because it is not normal right now. And we have to do our parts, each individual to make it normal at the house, at the workspace, in the church, at the grocery store, in your community. So those are things that we can do on our block to make it normal. And so that it is not a discussion, hopefully 10, 15 years from now, about going to work with your Afro, um, talking a certain way. Because all those things we have in our culture, we should be proud of. I'm proud of the way that I was brought up. You didn't realize something was wrong with your skin until you start interacting with other people. And we got to let them know, no, nothing's wrong with my skin. This is me, except me or not. I'm still going to be me. So we just got to get to a point where we're comfortable being us 24-7, 365 days of the week, of the year. That's a long week of the year. (laughs) So Dr. Travis Smith, I want to thank you for coming out and talking to me and sharing me your life's philosophies. But I also want to give you a chance to tell us what are you doing right now? What work are you working on? Wow. So we're halfway through a research project uh, at the University of Florida. So we received a grant uh, to do some racial justice work. Um, And so we're exploring the experiences of black graduate students at UF, have a research team, a dope research team of 15 black graduate students. And so 
we literally just got IRB approval uh, Friday. And wow. so we're starting the first phase, the first 15 interviews uh, over the next two weeks. So that's one thing. Um, my nonprofit, we're, we're just doing a lot of great work. We just finished up a, a collaborative project, a uh, COVID education project with the Ad Council. Of the, um, and so we're doing, we did some, some work with Trevor, Trevor Jackson uh, for a national just COVID education campaign, getting people educated so that they can make the right decision if they want to get vaccinated or not. We have our free HBCU Student Leadership Conference coming up July the 14th through the the 16th, again, is free, um, and we have capacity for 1,000 students. It's virtual. So last year was a phenomenal. Um, this year um, is going to be even better. And we're launching uh, our community center. Um, and so with our work in the Alabama School District up in Chambers County, we're getting ready to launch the community center um, in hopes of applying for a couple of TRIO grants uh, because it's really needed in our rural, our rural cities. And so uh, we serve... Uh, a rural community. And so we really want to do some good work. And so, yeah, that's just some of the, some of the stuff that we're doing uh, as well. And I mean, just working with HBCU students, honestly, like that's the joy. And that's what keeps me sane. <laughs> uh, continuing to work with HBCU students through my nonprofit. And so um, I would definitely tell all the HBCU students, be on the lookout for our emails. We have some internships um, coming up as well as some job opportunities for some corporations um, I can't release the name right now, but some big uh, corporations. They're calling right now. <laughs> yes, they might be calling. Uh, no, for real. Uh, but yeah, we, we have some, some partnerships coming up. And so we'll shout out to students. We make sure that the companies we work with are ready and, and ready to take care of our students and nurture our students uh, and not just trying to hire students for uh, numbers. Right. So that's, you know, that's just some of the work we're engaging. And that's some great work. I, um, I love the fact that you're continuously growing yourself, but reaching back and picking up. And that is great. So I appreciate the work that you're doing just from my point of view of being one of your mentees and being in your group. I know that just being around other PhD students lets me know that I'm normal <laughs> and it's important. So the work that you're doing is impactful because that is mentoring. It's, it's just social support is necessary. And you're providing that to a lot of students. And I know, especially with my cohort at PV. So we, we look up to you and we thank you for all that you're doing. Well, y'all are awesome. And so I enjoy, I enjoy working with y'all. Um, you know, that's the currency that I work for is really paying it forward and seeing the light bulbs go off and being able to assist people accomplish their deepest desires. Um, and so I appreciate you all and kudos to you for the work that you're doing Thank you. with your cohort and with this podcast. Cause I mean, I, I, it's funny you, the name of the podcast is dope conversations. Cause my, one of my favorite words is dope. Like that's dope as hell, <laughs> but you're dope as hell. So oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And this has been so much fun today. Y'all I want you to, um, do you mind sharing your Twitter? Cause he tweets yeah, some funny stuff sometimes. Yeah. Y'all need to see this. <laughs> Listen, okay, now my tweets are my own, so follow me at your own risk. Uh, I think it's Dr. T-E-E underscore three. Okay, so if you follow me, if you didn't get that, you can look on my list because I follow him, and he's funny. He's hilarious. His tweets are not his own, so don't judge him. 
But I want to say thank you for coming out. Um, We are now getting ready for next month. And next month we're looking at, and I want to hashtag next month as respect black women. Because next month I'm going to have on Dr. Lisa Thompson from Prairie View A&M. And she's going to come on and talk about a term called other mothering. And we're going to look at viewing women as leaders and not just mothers. When you have a conference table full of leaders and there's only a few women at the table, they are not there to go get your coffee. They are not there to hear your marital problems. They're leaders too. respect them as such. So that's why I'm saying hashtag respect black women, but also hashtag protect black women. Y'all, we got to do better at supporting the women that always support you. And so I ask you to follow, subscribe, leave me a review on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. My Twitter and website, Bikita Pegram. Please go there and leave me a message. Join in. If you want to be a guest, leave a message. It's possible. You can get on here. We can have a dope conversation. Other than that, I thank you for tuning in. It has been great again. Thank you again, Dr. T. And go forth and be great. Be keyed out.